0: I'm going to have to not just go through this. I'm going to have to grow through this. And it it was, it was hard reconciling that. Right. I mean, there's days where the selfishness creeps up and you think, man, wouldn't it be nice to be with a person that sees this version of me, like the 35 year old Nathan killing it, bro. But (laughs) the 25, (laughs) like nah, you don't want to marry the 25 year old version. Right. But,
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special one for you guys today. I've got Jason Bourne. No, I'm just kidding. I do not have the fictional character, Jason Bourne. I've got something better. I've got Nathan Bourne, the founder and CEO of MyCore, the all-in-one business solution. He's an expert in the art of science and leadership. His company is five years old and 30 people strong. Nathan is a husband, a father of five. He was also a Division One wrestler and an Ivy League student. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. Uh, being on awesome brother well i've been checking out your site and we'll and we'll get right into it and your mission is the world's most people-centric company now that's pretty counterintuitive to the culture we have right now which is full of ai automation you know and i'm i'm taking advantage of all those things so why the focus why is that the focus of my core right now or was that the great question Yeah, you know, um, I
0: am of the belief that people are still the central focus of a business. Um, I love technology. We're completely tech-based. We're fully remote. We're a paperless company. Uh, We just launched a a cool product that even since you and I engaged has come to life that is uh, AI-focused and driven. And um, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that and give you context, but I've just learned and my life and in, in leadership roles, that it's always a who factor, you know, it, it's like, man, this would be great to do. And, and you might say, well, what is it? Oh, that makes complete sense. And you might be able to find the why in it, but if you don't have the right who or the right who's that are rallying around it, it, it tends to be lifeless. So I think that there's a, a duty to be people centric, to consider the heart of the matter. And I think companies that position themselves as such, whether they proclaim it as their North Star and mission as we have, Mm. or they just sort of have an appetite for it are going to be the winners. And they got to converge it with technology, right? They've got to get with the times, but I still think people are the the main thing and you got to keep the main thing, the main thing.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, my job is to ask the questions, though. I obviously agree with you there, a hundred percent. Though, um, you know, when it comes to you know, a, a lot of the debates that, that happen between this type of stuff are due to terminology or ver, verbatim. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, terminology, verbiage, right?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, ver, yeah, verbiage, right? And when you say people centric, I'm going, I'm, I'm assuming that it's like you're you're putting your people first, you're creating a great work environment for your people, as well as you're driving their motivations, right? Yeah. Uh, a- aligned with the overall company mission and values, right? It's right. not necessarily that, hey, people can do things that AI can do better. You know what I mean? It's not really that conversation, it's it's recognizing, hey, AI is doing this, automation's doing that, and our people are overseeing it or managing those campaigns or, or whatever it's doing within that you know and i think that's where people kind of need to separate the two you know we're not saying that ai can't do what people used to do obviously that's happening right. across the board but one of the things i've noticed you know because i use ai on a daily basis right and and mainly for grammar and spell check right, <laughs> See, right, right. i don't i don't have it do any copywriting for me uh, unless it's with marketing but uh, in terms of my own social media post or writing that I do myself, it tends to lose my character, my motivations, no matter how well I prompt it, you know right. At the end of the day, you almost spend you almost spend your day rewriting a post completely when you could have just wrote it from scratch and then put it through the uh, chat GPT so it makes more sense or it's more palatable for the right. uh, the reader, right? And so I think that, that combination works well, but this idea that it's just going to replace that human element completely. It's, I don't know, I I'm of the mindset. It's impossible, but maybe other people have the mindset it's going to evolve to that point. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I think, I mean, again,
0: we don't, we don't know. Right. But yeah, it's <laughs> done based, based on what we do know, Um And just, I, I turned 35 last month. So I'm, wise and old now, but I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17. I started my first business my uh, going into my freshman year of college. In fact, I was 17 and I couldn't form the entity until I turned 18 that fall. Um, so I, I've, I've been a full-time entrepreneur other than being a student um, half my life nearly. And mm-hmm. what has yet to fail me is, as you were reading off in the intro, the obsession with the art and science of people. And I think it's important to distinguish to distinguish those things because there is an art form to people, but there's also a scientific process. There's a scientific method to people. And I think sometimes it just gets chalked up to altruism, like, oh, people are great. Well, people aren't yeah. that great. People are pretty shitty, actually. <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in general, right? And I'm a I'm a Christian, so I'm of the belief that we're born shitty, <laughs> you know. And then yeah. we need to we need a savior. We need, you know. I, I know I'm shitty if I'm not like in the zone. If I'm not living uh, my best life, so I, I default to pretty awful. Um, yeah, and being people centric or, or or having a lens and a heart for people isn't just that, Oh, people matter. And we have the best customer service. It's really like, are you willing to get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of the human condition, you know, of the human experience. And I think that there's a timelessness to that so far we've been doing all right as the human race. I mean, we've, we've, uh, survived some pretty major things. I think the biggest, most recent fear would have been like, Oh, COVID people are just going to be dying on the streets. And now that's, like uh the sniffles or something not to discount it but but just saying that like it takes a lot to like replace people and sure like lower level tasks mm-hmm. that were never of our making anyway can be replaced by technology and i think that the the key in this next phase and stage of business is recognizing where the emotional intelligence is, and cultivating a skill around that, right? Cultivating the EQ and not just the IQ, because it used to be that education, how many degrees you had, how linear your path was, and how many acronyms you could put on your name, you know, and, and really bolstering yourself as this high IQ individual. That's what really sort of separated the haves and the have nots. I think in this next season, this next chapter of life and particularly in business, it's gonna come down to how developed you are in EQ and 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 how you can manage. And I don't say because I like to say that we manage things and we lead people, but but managing the human condition because people are going to get sick and people are going to have, you know, life events. And as millennials, like we're coming up on some stuff. Like I've got friends whose parents are dying and it's it's not a freak accident. They're just dying because that's what you do when you're in your late 60s and 70s often, right? So it's like, man, how do we how do we build parameters and, and guardrails to keep people productive and to still manage like the life events that they have and not be just like inhumane, you know, as an in inhuman in the way that we approach it. So so I just I've built a culture around that. And it doesn't mean that we're softies or that we're, um, you know, like singing Kumbaya, my core or something. It's it's really <laughs> quite the opposite. It's actually just having real raw conversations about the fact that life and business are no longer apart from one another. And right. Think about this. I mean, our parents growing up, they had answering machines fax machines, cubicles, commutes. I mean, it was like physical space between them and their work. Now everything's in the palm of our hand. It's practically like on our person. So now it's a fully integrated thing. It's not that people are working from home. It's that people are homing from work, right? I mean, it's just a fully integrated life. And we have to one, create boundaries around that. I have five children and I'm awful at this. I'm constantly on the phone. I'm constantly squeezing in another email. I mean, dude, I filled out the like questionnaire in mm-hmm. bed at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, laying next to my wife. I'm thinking I shouldn't be on my phone in bed. But like, this is the moment I have to fill out the damn thing you know, for the yeah. podcast. So it's like, you're squeezing every little minute. And I think that we don't even know yet the ramifications of that so really being people-centric is about just assessing all of it you know assessing every aspect of the human experience and then finding how to be as productive as possible in the time that we do have create compartmentalization and then really build a culture where people want to live not just work does that make sense and i said a lot yeah
1: and yeah and I'm gonna try to unpack as much of this as possible. And yeah. so, yeah, I couldn't agree more. What you said about homing from work is so real because it really does bring the two together versus saying working from home, you know? Right. And, and you're you're 100% right. It, it's so integrated now. I just think it's silly to ask, you know, what's your job? No, it's, what do you do? Right. It's it's it, that's the question now. And and I think entrepreneurship in general, we tend to cross these boundaries first mm-hmm. because we have more flexibility to, to do so. And we're not part of a you know Fortune five hundred corporate type gig where they have uh clearer boundaries, you know. Right. And so I w- I would agree, it's just it's just what do you do now? You know, it's not like what do you do for work or where do you go for your job? Like this is, it's becoming a part of who we are, which is exciting because more people are doing what they love versus just getting a paycheck. And that's a result of, like you said, how far we've come as humans and, and we have this ability now to wake up and do what we love every day if we so choose. And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I just, I I couldn't agree with you more. Now, all that being said, um, How do you make sure because when I see a lot of people going or a lot of companies going people centric, you know, I'll hear things like unlimited vacation. Yeah, yeah, you know, (laughs) but towards the end of my uh, my sales work, I was instituting things like that because we were remote. It didn't really matter. Like and all I had to do was have a backup for that person when they went on vacation, you know, what I'm saying and right. and that was the whole deal as long as your job is done and it's to a reasonable degree you know what i mean like and you're hitting your marks and, and they knew they we could trust them at that time because everybody was with us four to six years and so we knew if they if they left it was because they had the ship was right and they were going to come back before it went wrong right right and we wouldn't do things like max it out a week at a time you know and mm-hmm. and and stuff like that but Trusting your people is one thing. At what point? How do you prevent it from becoming unprofitable, and then now the opportunity is not even there because you mm-hmm. overcommitted to the people-centric piece? Yeah, he, he talked crazy. about. it. He said we're not softies. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> and right. and you know, this isn't Google. We don't have right. billions of dollars. You know, so yeah, we've Google had to stay it.
0: scrappy. Yeah, Hunt, yeah. That's a great great question. I'm glad you you kind of pluck that out because yeah. there's some nuance to it and it, it comes with um, a, a real focus on the, the sweet spot. Cause if, if you do it like blanketed, you, you will go out of business. Like you, you will be the nicest person for 12 to 24 months yeah. if you have that much runway, but it would probably take that long to unravel. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'd have to answer that question by going to our core values because you mentioned our mission and we spent some time on that, but what really underpins that, what's the foundation to that North star is our three core values. And they're really guardrails. Um, they're number one, walk by faith, number two, lead with who, and then number three, the most sobering of the three is measure what matters. And we've sort of created a, like a trifecta or a trinity between these values um, to, to keep us on point. So one is, is an element of like, you don't have control, so you better have some capacity for faith. You know, I mentioned earlier, I'm a Christian, so I I know it's like illegal to say that now in this country, but um, I'm a Christian. (laughs) So F off, you know, but, and I joke, I say, I'm a, I'm a cursing Christian. So I'll I'll offend you either way. Um, But yeah. <laughs> if you're an uptight Christian, I'll offend you. If you're offended by my right. faith, I'll offend you. But 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 really, what what that I think that speaks to, and particularly entrepreneurs is um, and salespeople for sure, is the fact that like everything's unknown, everything's uncertain. And that could be uncertain in the fact that you have 100 percent commission, and you know you're 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 kind of swinging for the fences all the time, but often striking out or you know hitting singles, or as a founder, you're definitely going into every day um, not knowing, not like not knowing if the company's going to work something like I, my course kind of unfailable at this point, but, but it took five years to get to that peace of mind. And the only reason I have that peace of mind is because of my people. Like I, 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 and imposter syndrome combined with like abandonment issues are like a constant, like, reality for an entrepreneur i mean you're just like oh, is Absolutely. everyone gonna leave me or all my clients gonna, <laughs> gonna leave me it's like yeah like you, you, you kind of you need a little of that right you need a little of that it happens
1: know? happens all the time
0: yeah it's a, <laughs> it's a healthy dosage because what it will do is keep you on your your game right i mean you'll show up and you'll you'll earn your right and then what happens with imposter syndrome not to go down that rabbit hole but like You create new norms. So things that I used to think that I wasn't qualified for, I have time and grade for now. And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm that because I've been doing it so damn long, you know? And then there's other levels and layers to that Mm -hmm. that I may feel insecure around. But, you know, every level has its devil. So you've got to slay the dragon, you know, slay the devil of the level that you're on. So walking by faith is a must. And then the leading with who value and philosophy is really, really important, and there's a lot to it. I actually do like a kind of like a little TED talk that I unpack, and I've got an illustration, and it's a whole thing. But I, um, I'm gonna push myself at some point to to write the book and to really like unpack it in a couple hundred pages. But I was inspired five, six years ago when I read Start with Why, right? And I'm sure you're familiar with Start with Why, and I know a lot of your listeners are. And as I read that, and I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. I was like, I don't know that it's the lie, man. Like a mission matters, of course. Like you have to have something to rally around. You have to have a North star to, to kind of align the organization. But what I've found to be true is that it's always a who issue. And being really selective about who you allow into your organization and it's the difference of like let and get, right? Like we're not getting clients. We're letting these people be clients. Like they're qualifying to be our customers. They're they, they, like, damn, you did your work. Like you you now qualify to be a MyCore client. Congratulations. And that's not just puffery or like, oh, we, we pump each other up. No, like for real, because we built it in a way that it's interdependent. And if you're not coming to the table prepared to be advised and to bring modernization and to like advance and enhance these aspects of your business, well then like you really aren't a good fit. And we, we have to qualify you beforehand. So it's not just a, you know, play hard to get or flip the script tactic. It's like a real philosophy. Mm-hmm. So in leading with who the lens you're now looking at is different because you're thinking, okay, I'm building people. And then those people are building the brand, they're building the product, they're building the systems, they're building the what's and the how's. And the whole goal of of entrepreneurship is to get out of the what's and how's, right? If you're living in what's, like just take inventory right now, how many what's do you do? Well, like stop doing them or make sure when you do them, you're using the lowest form of energy so that you can reserve your best energy, your highest self, if you will, for moments like this, you know, masterminding with movers and shakers like you, I, I, that's why I timed it to get my drink. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I want, I want this nootropic to hit like right about minute 20, right? So that I'm just (laughs)
1: locked
0: in, right? So you, you, you're a high performing person. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, whether it's athletics business, relationships, the gym, it's all the same stuff, but ultimately you are who you hang out with. You know, you're not like who you're hanging out with. You are, you're morphing into a mastermind, into a mega mind. So I think what happens is people think of the law of attraction as this mechanism to attract. I I look at the law of attraction as a big game of, of repelling. Like I'm, I'm wanting to put such a clear message out that is so bold and so um, polarizing even that the wrong people avoid me like the plague. Like they're like, I don't want anything to do with that dude. And then the right people are like, yo, I wanna lean in and learn more and get more of where that's coming from. And that's how you protect the house because now it's really about who is qualifying these people. So we, we hire salespeople as what we call business advisors. Mm-hmm. Let me give you like a tangible example of this. So it's not all philosophy. And I have a chief relationship officer. He is 77 years old. The guy's a total boss, okay? His number one job is to keep people out of my core. That's what he does. We call him Lord Commander. He just like, Game of Thrones, he protects the wall, right? He stays <laughs> on the wall. He's like, nah, you're not allowed it. And, and it, we don't do it like, In an arrogant way, but like he's constantly showing his like stacks of resumes that he throws away and he prints them off like he's old school, he's 77, so he prints them off, he's got stacks of them and then the entire interview process, we have a website for this called conversation with Ken and they book on his Calendly and you're going to meet and you're going to talk to Ken. And he's going to decide if he vibes with you. It's just a total vibe check, right? It's like, wow. and he looks for things like what's in your background, what you're wearing, not background, like your pedigree. I mean, like literally what, like, do you have good lighting? You know what I mean? Like, is there a book on your shelf? Like, what books are you reading? You know, who are you? And then after that, his wife meets with, who's our chief sales officer, oversees the whole sales team that that really we're recruiting and hiring for. And then I have my chief people people officer meet baked into all of that is three written responses and then ultimately they meet with me and I share the vision and the mission of the company. So you would think that they're trying to get into an Ivy League school and it's a 100% commission sales 1099 role. But I cannot dilute the culture that we've built because I've got 30 plus diehards, you know, renegades that know that by the time they come through that process, they really are the right fit. There's, you know, there's still the law of averages after that, but, but it's really about keeping the wrong people out. than it is even about letting the right people in. And if you focus more on like creating a force field around your organization, the right people will come through the hurdles and get, get in, if you will.
1: I do. I love the concept and I can see why you're saying it took five years to build that. Because most companies build based on need and scale. So what you're saying is you're built you're building based on this filter and if you don't get any people through then you're, you're that's gonna stop growth am mm-hmm. I right I mean if if you need more people to scale or to build or to go from five hundred thousand to one million or one million to five and the P, you can't locate the right people then you're willing to stop that growth at least people wise okay yeah, that, i think that's a point to say in, yeah
0: because here's the thing the law of the lid right so john c maxwell 21 irrefutable laws the first law is the law of the lid and what he speaks to is that you are the lid to your organization right that you're the one setting the pace and and this is a law it's like gravity right or e equals mc squared you, you can hide it you can fake it you can get all the optics to try to make it seem like like you're the real deal, holy field, but people will find you out because time promotes or exposes you. So if you're not putting the reps in, right, it's just going to, when it's PR day, it's going to be obvious, right? Then you're shaking, you know, trying to get your, your, your rep in. So this happens intellectually. This happens as leaders. This happens as husbands, fathers, like it just happens. So to your point and you're, you're keying in on a really important kind of nug is that, If your organization is not growing, I promise you it's because you are not growing. And they know, they they can like hear the pages of the books that you read last night in the next all hands meeting. And even if they can't reference it because they haven't read it yet or they're not on the same page as you, they just know if you're sharp. And if you are constantly growing and stretching and and developing, then you're setting a pace that people just want to be around because they're like, you know what? I don't think I could ever catch up to her. I don't think I could ever catch up to him. And at the same time, you have to be willing to show, actually Joe and I were talking about this on his podcast because he paid me a, a really nice compliment. And he pretty much said like, Nathan, if there was one thing that I had to say about you, you, you just attract the most talented people. And I was like, thanks, man. You know, like like that's that's kind of my jam. You know, like I don't really have any actual skills. Doug, I just (laughs) I just squat up. (laughs) I can't do it. Like, what do I do with my hands? (laughs) I don't. I can't really do anything. Um, But I find, and I I don't find them. But but I track them and I repel the wrong people. But when I find them, like when when they're in my zone, I mean, I'm a dog on a bone, dude. Like, you're gonna have to get a restraining order against me (laughs) because I'm like, let's go. Um, So what you're saying there is is really really crucial it it is is a like a just a little slight edge to it um so yeah yeah you have to really be keen on who you're attracting and be willing to get stuck because you know what that's reality like you are at that level like that's your revenue that's your profit margin that's your market share like this isn't a mistake. Like the, the universe is telling you, this is where you belong. And, and if you're going to, 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 to expand that, it's only going to come because you're too big for it. Like you outgrew it. And I had a seven year career before I started my core and dude, I just outgrew it. Like I, I, w- I would go to the events and I was like, and there were people making crazy money. I mean, millions and millions of dollars a year and I, I I'm even like sensitive to say this cause I sound like a, an arrogant jerk, but there was just like a perspective that I had and a mindset that I had that I was like, I can't live in this anymore. And I think that the best companies in this next chapter are going to be the people that are like, yo, I don't really want to work at my core. I want to like die at my core. <laughs> you know, I want to live. <laughs> at <my core>. It's <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> like I, I've got one of our early stage employees, uh, she's a g she has our shield
1: tattooed on her arm dude i was just thinking that like when they start saying things like that that's when you see the tattoos come out you know and i and i see it happen i'm in a a mastermind called apex okay and uh it you know it's a it's a very culty mastermind
0: (laughs) oh yeah i i only join cults crossfit Church, my core. if it's not a cult, I'm not interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so many that you know, uh Steumann, Ryan Steumann he's he's the leader of the group and it's his it's his business, and, and there's several, you know, parallel businesses to it. But you know, one of the thing he one of the things he says is fuck your excuses, FYE. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's like probably 30 to 40 people that have that tattooed somewhere on them. And obviously oh, the man. concept is more important than. You know, Apex—the name. Right, I don't think anybody right, has right, an Apex right. tattooed on them, except for him, maybe. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> rightfully so. Um, right. No, but you know, kind of everything that you're saying—it it, it, kind of takes me through a timeline of my career. Hmm. You know, so one of the things you said—if you're not growing, your people know it. They can hear the pages of the book you read last night. Literally, the best quote I've heard this month. It's fantastic. Oh, right on, like, <laughs> I am using that for sure. They can hear the pages of the book that you read last night. So, so much of my growth early on was very organic, you know, no outside influence to it, no reading, no, just, wow. just hustle and figure it out, you know, and I am very, faculties,
0: you know, I mean, you're a stud, right? You're, you're good looking, you're sharp. I, I, I guess you were an athlete. You look like one, like, I know we're, we're just getting to know each other, but like those uh-huh. natural faculties, they will take you to so a far. certain point. Yeah, right to a point, but but then it's a whole new ball game.
1: Yeah. yeah, and so for me, it took me to, you know, it took me to five million, and then after that, it was like two and a half to three million, not really trying, right? right. And and that was the sales work side of things, but I I had no growth. I was going through a lot of stuff in my personal life: separation, divorce, remarriage. You know, wait,
0: and wait, I gotta stop
1: uh, you real quick. Did you get remarried to another woman? No, to my. Same
0: woman. Oh, you and I have this yeah. in common. Oh. Really? So oh, I, I got to, I I yeah, we got to, we got to bro out on this for a second because <laughs> I got married in 2012. We had okay. our two daughters, Amelia and Rosie. They're now eight and 10. We divorced mm-hmm. in 2016. We got back together, had our son, Judah. So this is like the real baby mama drama. And Judah's now five. We split oh. again. And then we got back together in 2020 in 2021 and we had our fifth child four together and stepson from her first marriage. And we got remarried on the 10 year anniversary to the day. So we got married eight, 10, 12, and then we got remarried eight, 10, 22. So I married my ex-wife
1: too, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's very similar. We're right. You know, I'm, I'm 37 you're 35 okay. so we're, we're right there in that same timeline um okay. we got we got divorced in so we separated in 2016. no yeah 16. no nope. maybe maybe legally got divorced in 17 but remarried in no no no. i'm 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 messing this up 18. divorced, you in 18. divorced again if you don't get it right <laughs> yeah exactly right and then uh we remarried july of last year on the same day that we got married originally so i wouldn't have to remember another date because you could yeah, see how that could be are. a problem <laughs> Dude, that's
0: <laughs> funny man that's exactly what we did
1: yeah but we 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 popped out our kids quick so we had three three kids uh early in our marriage year one three and four or year one two and four and so um minor 9 11 and 13 right now very cool yeah, yeah.
0: we similar parallel path there. And I'll tell you, I I think you'd probably be able to speak to this and relate to this. There's nothing worse than divorce, man. I mean, that that'll kill you like as a man, and a father to to get up and keep building my business and my life. I mean, that was just like, you, you just feel like the ultimate failure. And it, it's really, it's really hard, you know, and I think that I mean, we know that half of the people are dealing with this. And I think that, that there's, uh, because it's commonplace, because 57% of people are divorced. It's not like a death, but it's, it's like worse than a death. Because if your spouse died, you'd be like, Oh, my God, like, can I make you some lasagna? You know, <laughs> like, like, I'm so sorry that that happened. But then you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, man, been? like going through a divorce. You're like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. So what else is new? And you're just like dying inside. But no, you know, what are you going to go to divorcees anonymous and stand up and say, hi, I'm Nathan. I'm divorcing or <laughs> I'm divorced. So it's like not for all. I mean, for some people, they, they're like, oh, you seem like you really need to get out of that. But but most yeah. people go into their marriage <laughs> wanting to make it work. So So that's interesting. I'm sure you and I could commiserate on that. <laughs>
1: <After a while. laughs> that's the first time i heard the use of that word that was good <laughs> Comiserate. no i i agree like it is it's, but it but it's it's so commonplace and you know there's a whole culture built around it called co-parenting and baby daddy and baby mama and all that stuff and i just you know I'm, i made a decision because at that point i i had stopped all my growth you know and wow. uh I was growing more in my family and not professionally anymore in, in, in my business and everything. And so at that point, I, I, in, in my teams, my leadership, my key players could tell, I mean, I prepared them for, I was like, Hey, I'm about to go through a divorce. I told my VP of sales. I was like, Hey, I need you to get my back on this. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to, I figured it'd be a year. No, it was like three years of cruise control, maintaining the relationship with my ex-wife and, and, and then, newly invested in my kids. Cause now I was, you know, now I realize oh, I only have half time with them, you know, <laughs> I only have them with me half the time, you know? And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a tough time. And yeah, I didn't really start developing myself till I was like 32, 33. And, and it was because of the divorce. It was like, Hey, something is wrong here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, know, I've screwed all this stuff up. The business side can wait that, that part's not, not necessarily easy but a lot easier than my faith you know what i mean my values you know right. me being a man of integrity which was real important to me at that time i i need a support system who i surround myself with the mastermind like we were talking about right. and i do i need to be growing myself every week whether it's physically spiritually you know um you know education wise isn't it interesting how
0: it's like i just want how all it's so all it's all connected, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can you can front for a while, right? Like you can have one part of your life going well and kind of hide the other parts, but it always the Bible says all things come to light, right? Like it mm-hmm. it always exposes itself or rears its head and so you I may think there is in light. Dude, just live. Yeah, like like, get in it, you know, embrace it. Yeah. And then also choose your heart, right? Because like divorce is really hard. Well, marriage is really hard, you know? And, and ultimately, like I, I made a decision. This is just real talk, dude. Like I dated and we had dated other people. And like yeah. you get to the point where it's like, it was the same shit. <laughs> like this is the same shit. Like I might as well do it with the person that I, I set out in the first place, you know, and that I have yeah. these children with like I'm gonna have to not just go through this I'm gonna have to grow through this and it it was it was hard reconciling that right I mean there's days where the selfishness creeps up and you think man wouldn't it be nice to be with a person that sees this version of me like the 35 year old Nathan killing it bro but the 25 (laughs) like nah you don't want to marry the 25 year old version right but but the person you're with knows that person and and they've seen the, the growth, but Evolution. they're not impressed by the podcast. You know, they're not like, yeah. oh, did you have an episode? You know, like, yeah. like, I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying like that familiarity breeding contempt is a real thing and it goes both ways. We see them. I got some great advice from my father-in-law when we got married. He was so right. He said, you know, you guys will spend the rest of your lives. I said, Nate, you will spend the rest of your life hoping that she won't change and she will spend the rest of your life hoping that you do. <laughs> and I was like, hey, that sums it up, <laughs>
1: uh, right? That like, really does.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, but but that's neat. then. so you're saying at 32 is where you really got um, in touch with personal development, right? And, and that's when you were like, okay, I've got six hours to cut down this tree. I got to spend four hours sharpening my ax.
1: Yeah, 100% and and now i'm 37 i've been a part of you know as obviously reading was a big thing then um initially and then i got involved in the groups and everything what you were talking about where it's like you try and reconcile that and it's incredibly difficult the only reason i not the only reason but the main reason i feel like i was able to you know besides my faith was being surrounded by other men that had successful marriages and still do to this day, you know, it's five years later and these guys that I looked up to, you know, and and, and it's weird because I had I had all the confidence in the world on the business side and I didn't necessarily look up to anybody. I always thought everybody had their lane, you know, right. yeah. Um. but where I did look up to them was their families, their marriages, their, 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 them as men and as leaders in their respective communities. And and they were going to bed at nine, nine thirty, getting up at four thirty, working out. Meditation, prayer, whatever the case is, whatever their routine was. And so when we're all sitting there at dinner, the conversation changed from at, you know, eight o'clock at night, like, where are we going after this to, all right, I'll see you guys in the morning at the hotel gym, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so they, at first, they were kind of my barriers not to go outside of that and right. and go back into that world of, you know, dating and the apps and all that other right. crap that, you know, we went through when we were divorced and stuff. So going back to that mastermind, I think it's just, it's, it's huge. And it's a big part of my story and my restoration story as well. Amen, dude. That's, yeah, that's cool. Like
0: it, it's, it's interesting how in the early years of manhood, adulthood, whatever you want to call it, It's all about, at least you think it is, it's about expansion. It's, it's about bigger, faster, stronger as I age, I guess, you know, if, if I put it that way, like, as I just get older, it's like, how do I simplify the shit out of this? You know, like I want everything to just be so simple, so clear. And of course it's still nuanced. Of course it still has a little mystique, but like. I I see now, (laughs) you know, like I, I could remember just getting around boomers and thinking like, damn y'all are boring, you know, but, but really they've got it. They've got it it dialed in. Yeah. They got it figured (laughs) out. And it's funny. Like I, I even just recently, like I, I let last year, we went through some big growth. Like we doubled last year. We're going to double again this year. And it was just Mm -hmm. like, it was just like the moment where it's like, all right, this is working. Like, like this is coming together. So I, I was working out in the afternoon, but I live in Jacksonville. I, all right, my office here is in Jacksonville. I live in St. Augustine. So I've got like a 30 minute commute. Um, and that works for uh, drive time university, you know, the audio books and podcasts Mm -hmm. and things that I can consume. But, um, and I, I just, it slipped away from me last year. Like I was getting like two, two to three workouts in a week. And it just got to this point where I was like, dude, I got to do this at 5.30 in the morning. Like if I don't do this at 5.30 in the morning, it's not happening. So it was a brutal band-aid to rip off. But probably two months ago, I started doing the 6.30. And then I was like, you know what? If I can do 6.30, I can do 5.30. Like it's an hour, you know, what's the difference? And that's my life now, dude. By 10 PM, I'm like, I'm going to sleep, dude. I'm getting six, to seven <laughs> hours. I'm waking up at five. I'm getting my workout in and I'm like going to win the day before anyone else is up. And I love it. Like there's no going back after you're, you're up at that, that hour.
1: Yeah. The, what ruins it for me is when my kids are off for the summer and they want to stay up and hang out to like 10, 10 30 or whatever. So we just started instituting a nine 30 bedtime, even during the summer. And I'm like, smart get up early with, you know, you're, you're going to accommodate me. (laughs) You go to bed early. Otherwise I'm going to want to stay up with you and play video games or watch TV or do all the things that uh, let's be honest. I have have my wife to thank to that
0: for that. I mean, Jen, Mm. she, I think it's maybe part of why she's so beautiful, but she gets her beauty sleep. Like she's out, dude. Like she, she's like done kids go to bed and you know, I'm, I'm naturally a night owl. So I'm like, I don't think I can do this, you know. So it, those first like several weeks, I wasn't tired enough. I was going to bed at midnight, one in the morning, and then still waking up at five. And I it just I was dragging ass throughout eventually, the day. It and then, up
1: to you. yeah, eventually it, it <laughs> clicks and then, what'd you say? You know, eventually it kisses up to you, and then you know, 8:30 right. comes around and you're like nodding off a little bit.
0: <laughs> like now, my 11 year old like I'm like, yo, I'm going to bed.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: like if you if you want to stay up, fine. You know, if you mom said 9:30 cool. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> it's on you if you go to bed. <laughs> so I'm like going to bed before my 10 year old. Um, but, but that's really cool, man. I, I, I don't hear that too often. Um, especially at our age because I mean, some of our peers haven't even started having kids yet or you know, gotten right. married yet, but, but right. to, to go through that whole cycle, I, I haven't met I don't know that i've met anyone that's that's been divorced and remarried to the same person of our age group
1: i don't think yeah i, I would say maybe you're the second you know maybe yeah. and then that's because I, I i don't want to forget someone you know I mean? <laughs> right right you're probably you never, you never forget your first yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. Uh, okay so you know we went sideways a little bit you know and yeah. i w- i would be upset if we didn't talk about my core and we've talked about the mission, the values, which I, I, I respect a ton. I'm a Christian also. And so as soon as I saw the imagery of your logo and your first value, um, one, I'm I'm impressed in the sense that that's the forefront of your business, you know, which you've got different levels to this, you know, and most Christians are somewhere in the middle. Like if you get right. deep enough into their business, then you realize, oh, they're a Christian too. Right. It's 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 right up front for you. So that's part of that like. repel, which I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Um, i learn today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so tell me about your business and, and, and what you guys do. Cause I went through the yeah. website. I, I know I understand it because of the, you know, I'm a consultant myself, so I understand the plug and play of it, but can you walk us through it? I can, man. And yeah, it's not all
0: up here. You know, it's, there, yeah. there's a very tactical thing we do. We just very intentionally put that force field out. Right. But right. Um, the, the what's in the house are pretty neat. So, the the short version, I, I get asked often, you know, are you a SaaS company? Are you software as a service? And I say, Yeah, we're we're SaaS, but we're not software as a service. We are service as a software. And I I think this is the future, man. I I look at it, I call it the spectrum of SaaS. So I believe that on one end of the spectrum, you have SaaS, but it's service as a service. And this is your typical local shop, could be an accounting firm, could be a business consultant, could be um, Betty the bookkeeper, you know, Polly the payroll specialist, uh, Marty the marketer, <laughs> whatever it is, it's that more like traditional yeah. agency, right? And they, they, they still own the great majority of the market because their services are high touch and uh, hyper local. And they have kind of that like, Local foothold, but they're lacking in in tech in in many cases. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, these companies call themselves software as a service, but I call them software as a software. And it's it's DIY, right? It's basic support, it's live chat, it's put a ticket in, it's get into a round robin. And the mm-hmm. part that is so difficult and it's just like miserable is that you're always starting over the reference point, right? You're, there's no uh, orientation. And it's just like, bro, like, how many times do I have to try to explain this to you, right? It's it's like this very interaction, right? So mm-hmm. when we first met, however many minutes ago, like we didn't know each other from Adam, right? It's like, and right. you are, but if we did the same podcast episode, like right after this, it would be a mm-hmm. totally different interaction because we laid down all this common ground. So I recognized this in the market and thought, what if there was something that was a sweet spot right in the middle? What if there was a hybrid? And that's what we call the service as a software. So our clients are assigned a single point of contact. We call it their advisor or my core advisor. And this mm-hmm. person, they can call, text, email, send a messenger pigeon, smoke signal, raven, whatever, right? So so they have that person's direct Um, information. And they're texting with them. They're communicating with them, mainly meeting on Zoom. And they're the hub to this hub and spoke model. And we say that we're all in one, but we're not all or nothing. So people tend to find their MyCore gateway drug and it might be marketing. They say, hey, I'm really Mm -hmm. looking to, you know, enhance my marketing. Great. Or could be accounting, something less sexy, like, They're haven't filed taxes for, you know, two or three years, or their books are a mess. And what we find year over year is that people deepen the relationship, and they go, "Oh, well, I trusted you with this. I want it to be connected to that." And these things really belong together. They they inform one another, but historically they've been fragmented and siloed from each other. So we're really coming in, and we're assessing the tech stack. We're if something's solid and it's working. In most cases, we just we work with that. Right. And we say, awesome. Like we can work with your current provider. We can work within your current technology. Sometimes we, we show them that, Hey, this would be a lot better if it was on this platform. So rather than being like a broker where we're like, here's 17 solutions, Mm -hmm. we have a, a main, um, partner or two, sometimes three in each of those areas. And we've already done all the, I mean, we know times hundreds of clients what it, uh, how the shoe fits. Um, So, yeah. So, so it very tactically, it turns into a great platform, a great service, but where the kind of secret sauce is, is that we're on the same side of the table as the business. We're not coming mm-hmm. on the other side of the table as a vendor and saying, buy our solution. It's the best thing ever. Well, of course, you're going to say that it's plastered on your forehead. We're actually yeah. helping them purchase these things, you know, and, and we actually build it into our pricing. So they're getting in some cases, many cases they're getting us and the software for less than what they're paying for just the software.
1: And I love the, the concept as you unravel it because i've had to do it in my own business right so i come in as the consultant i'm building out a sales program and i realize they don't have a crm and i'm right. like all right <laughs> that's <laughs> minimum i'm gonna need a crm to work from guys you know and so you know uh i'm, I'm most experienced now and go high level you know i work yeah. with a lot of small businesses typically trades maybe some b2b and so um I like i like go high level because i'm comfortable in, it right Right. but i can also work in hubspot or you know uh salesforce if (laughs) if they want to spend all that money on it you know what i mean right and these different things that that we need to but the whole point is that that customized solution of hey we're going to use this piece of technology as part of the sales program right right and 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 that's what i'm finding and i never really Considered until like the last three or four months is like, okay, I'm I'm constantly opening up new accounts for my clients and these, these softwares and everything. And uh, I can get volume discounts or I can, you know, get affiliate commissions or whatever the case is. And so you guys have effectively, and, and I guess that's my, my question too, is like right, right. when you, when you see outside looking in, it looks like, yeah, an advisor, a consultant somebody that's going to say, hey, based on your business, because because I've done an audit and I've done a calculation, this software looks, looks the best for you in order to provide the solution. Are you doing anything outside of the software? Is there like a maintenance or uh, a call, a quarter or something like that that's going on and we're assessing the yeah. business as a whole? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you chase two rabbits,
0: you won't catch either, right? So mm-hmm. what... What I think happens is that the software companies, they're recognizing that they can't really render a real service. They can support your troubleshooting. They can try to take your ticket and, and, you know, they want to close it out as soon as possible. They also want to right. send you a survey before you even like heard back. <laughs> it's like, it's yo, chill. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's nuts. It's like, can you just get your system to where like, you know, that I, that it's done and then I can give you a a survey or review. Yeah. So, so it's just become so um, robotic and, and so non-human inhumane, right? It's a little strong word, but like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not human. So the the appetite, I think the demand in the market is like, For the love of God, I do not want a 1-800 number. I do not want a live chat. Like I want a human being. Well, human beings are expensive, right? Especially nowadays. (laughs) So the the question is, how do you scale that? And because our solutions are not standalone technologies, you could go directly to them and probably get it done. But what we've Mm -hmm. done is we've built a large client base with them and we have dedicated support. We have entire teams that are dedicated to our people and not just like by way of us to the client, like we actually interface with them. And in most cases can completely knock that problem out and put it back on a silver platter or just tell you it's done. So for nice. example, Gusto is is like our, our go-to yeah. solution for,
1: for payroll.
0: Yeah. And they have about 10,000 partners. We just cracked into the top 100. So- I think we're like 99th or something, but, but, you know, we, we've done a lot of business with them over the past five years and we continue to, but even more than the amount, because it's not necessarily the quantity, it's the quality of business we do with them, right? That they know that we're reaching a client base that aren't DIYers. They're not listening to podcasts. They're not digitally marketable to their main street businesses. We say my core is made for main street. So we're going to these local businesses with boots on the ground. Those 30 plus people on the, um, 20, 20, uh, 25 business advisors. And they're connecting in a high touch way. And we used to be doing this pre COVID like in their office, right? Like we were physically opening up the laptop and showing them the platform. Mm -hmm. Well, then COVID hit and it's like, Oh wow. Like the HVAC company will jump on a zoom. And that's where we saw our lift and our growth because now normal everyday businesses, local businesses were willing to meet virtually. So then what we recognized was, a single advisor could manage quite a few accounts and do it with class and they can have a great work experience. And the client is just like amazed at how available we are. And it's because we're leveraging so much off on the tech and so much off on the partners themselves, because right. we don't build tech. We don't, we're not a payroll company. It's like, wait, you're not, but it says it on your website, payroll. No, gusto moves the money. You know what I mean? They garnish the child support. Right. They, pay the withholds, we are Sherpas, we're guides. And yeah. when you're a local business with 27 employees, 77 employees, what's the alternative? We'll go hire somebody to manage all that, pay them 70 grand a year or hire my core. I mean, we just signed up a client. Uh, I, I brought them on there in C12, which is a really cool organization. You should check it out. It's um, a peer-to-peer Christian CEO, uh, like mastermind group. It's, it's really neat. And, a, a a group in there, which it's not a like a networking thing. So we don't really like expect to do business with each other, but it just happened right. organically. Yeah. And they're a $15 million company. They have 15 employees and they're now paying $720 a month for payroll benefits and HR. So they're getting the full, you know, stack of, Services and a MyCore advisor, and they were paying more than that for their crappy payroll system.
1: Wow! So that's seven hundred twenty for the advisor and the software. Yeah. Wow. No, that's killer. <laughs> I was I was sitting here thinking it's like oh you know a ten grand a quarter or something like that you know no. the advisor we're
0: we're we're at like SaaS pricing, dude, because. Okay and we like, we just raised, and this was encouraging. Like we just raised our prices. They raised December 1st. Right. And we got to send emails out to a couple hundred clients. And it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Are people going to be like weird about it? You know, I, I don't know, you know, and, and, and my COO and my chief experience officer who interfaces with the clients and the the team that what we call our experience team, they just went client by client and they just like, they were subjective about some, you know, uh, more objective about others Mm -hmm. and like they sent out all the emails and I'm just kind of waiting like we're going to lose at least a dozen clients like there's got to be like at least and we were prepared for it because we're we're like growing and we just right you got to shake the trees man. yeah you got to get rid of the clients that are
1: better let's be honest a gallon of milk went up to like six bucks you know I've got to raise my prices next year too you know oh it's you just have to like yeah.
0: My kids last night, they're we're going to bed. They're you know device time, which I don't love that we do that, but we do. And they're like, Dad, can we can we have some strawberries? I'm like, No, you can't have strawberries. you're expensive those damn strawberries exactly. I'm not <laughs> You up straw? I might as well cut up dollar bills for you. <laughs> like, yeah. But I, mean, I gave them like a half a strawberry each. But but no, like it, it's nuts, right? So one because I think people just expect it, and two the alternative, like they would have to uproot all of that. Yeah. And then they know like they know that they're getting a great deal. So we we could probably keep growing that up, but I built it for scale and I'm more interested in pushing ourselves for efficiency and then being interdependent with the client. I think that's really important. Like I think there's this um just It's just a flat out mistake that that I watch people make that are consultants and advisors. And they think that if they keep their client in the dark and they make them dependent on them, then that will be where their retention lies. And I think you and I have this in common. It's like, no, if you engage them in the process and they co-created it with you, Mm-hmm. they will stick with you because they know that you're, you were in it together. You climbed the mountain together and maybe you've climbed that mountain a bunch of times, but the risks were just as tough for you. The elements were just as harsh for you. And there's this bond that gets created and it's not dopamine driven. It's not endorphin driven. It's not what comes with a sale or three free months or, or, you know, Drug, sex, and rock and roll. It's the serotonin and the oxytocin. It's the relationship, it's the slow release. And that fortifies your business because somebody comes along with some cyber Monday whatever deal. Like and they're Friday. like Black Friday, yeah, giving Tuesday, whatever the Black Friday extended, 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 you know. <laughs> then <laughs> like, damn, like this is black week. <laughs> like, what are you talking yeah. about? So then that's, and we see that our retention's about 92, 93%. And we even count businesses that just like go out, you know, like nobody's like piss off. It's just stuff happens. But yeah, Yeah. I think that like consultants, advisors, people that are in sales, like you got to step into this advisory position, but make Mm -hmm. sure you're doing it with best in class tech, because if you're just like gracing people with all your wisdom it's not sticky enough. Then you're getting into like, I sure hope they don't figure out that I overcharged them by ten grand. You know, it's like keep the sweet spot where it's like it's a little bit more. Of course, yeah. you know, it's 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 like buying a Jeep or like a Honda. You know what I mean? It's not a Kia, it's not a Hyundai, but it's not a Mercedes either. Like right. get it where like it's a classy price. And then also one thing we do is we take all manipulation out. We don't do free months. We don't do 99, 99, 99. It is flat fees. Like I said, seven twenty a month. And I tell them straight up upfront because it's part of our like brand, you know, it's part mm-hmm. of our like, Hey, this is going to be the price and let's talk and, and people lean into that. I think people respect it more.
1: No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've, I've been on both sides of it where, you know, Hey, you know i'm not i'm not working with someone for less than this amount or whatever the case is instead of building up to it and all that type of stuff and then the other side of it where it's like okay how do i how do i over deliver still but price it fairly you know and uh i think that's a especially in in service-based businesses like like mine you know or people that curate softwares or develop them for a client i mean some of those fees are just getting ridiculous like 15 20 grand for a crm build out you know which right. okay if i am you know a 20 million dollar business and i need all these complicated things sure but you know individual solopreneur or maybe a million dollar trades business you don't need a 15 20 grand crm build out <laughs> you just know like
0: if you're gonna get obsessed with something around the money Mm-hmm. My magnificent obsession, my mo, is around the MRR. Like I care yeah. most about the monthly recurring revenue. So, so I'm like, look, and what people don't, we we've glorified it. Subscriptions, a subscription is a payment plan. That's all it is, right? I mean, yeah. if if you're charging five hundred dollars a month, well, you're really charging six thousand dollars a year, yeah, divided by twelve. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. so, so and, and we've put this beautiful spin on it to to call it a subscription and to call it a retainer and to call it a management fee or whatever we want to call it. That's fine. But if you price it right, you, you will sleep so damn good at night. Like, dude, I snore. My wife's like, you need to, you have sleep apnea. Why is that? And I'm like, well, one, I broke my nose three times in wrestling. I got that deviated septum and two, because I am in integrity, man. (laughs) Like I know Mm -hmm. that I treat my people right. I treat my, my my clients, right? And when they subscribe to my core, they are getting the better end of the deal. Like, we worked our asses off to curate this product that you are so lucky to have. Welcome to MyCore, you lucky bastard. I cannot believe you found us. Some, Do you listen to Doug's podcast? Man, you are lucky, man. God was preparing you for this damn moment. <laughs> like, as
1: simply as that is,
0: like, we instill that into the MyCore cult, I mean, into the MyCore company. Um, <laughs> so it, it really is like a, a, a belief system that Like we've prepared this place for you. And you are client 187. Damn, you should get that tattooed on your forehead. You know, so it, it really is like this belief that you are ushering people in, you're stewarding them, you're thankful mm-hmm. for the season they have with you. And if if you have these intangibles working with like get the damn job done, you know, and do it in yeah. the time frame that you promised, people will stick and stay. I think that that brand loyalty and the like trying it out i think people are over that like that the, there was an initial push in sass that like ooh like maybe i'll switch this every year and you just start to realize like dude it's all the same tech it's all yeah. the same buttons i mean the ux ui is not that different um i'm mm-hmm. really looking for somebody that's going to like be there when it goes wrong and it will go wrong something will go wrong or you'll yeah. just be climbing a new learning curve. And it's like, here, come, come back over here. And and that's where I think people feel the value. And then you raise their prices on them. Like it moved our MRR up by like five, six grand. And I was Mm -hmm. like, stoked, you know, I was like right on. But again, I expected to lose a, a handful of clients and we haven't lost one.
1: Beautiful. Okay. So original talking points out the window. Uh, oh, but sorry, I do yeah, have one <laughs> to finish on, you know, and and thank you for staying over time with me. Uh, I, I pushed one of my calls as well because our conversation was going so well. Um, last question. Legacy. What does it mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? I love that, ma'am. You know, my name, I know you started our time today
0: uh, calling me Jason Bourne. So I'm, <laughs> I often think about the Born legacy. By the way, I just... Uh, recorded the intro to my podcast the my core podcast and I would love to to do this again but we'll flip the script I'll I'll interview you Sounds great more, yeah maybe even have you come here to Jacksonville do it in person but um so to answer your question and and final thought um I I kind of had this realization probably about five years ago and i'm not being contrary but but it just sort of hit me that we're not really leaving legacies we're we're living legacies you know on our tombstone we're going to have the day we were born that dash and the day of our death and there's a lot of energy around the the dash because that's our life but i think our legacy begins the moment we were born and it's a sobering thought because I'm one of nine children. I'm the fourth, six boys, three girls, and we grew up in a pretty tough environment. So intensity and maybe more like anger are are just kind of hardwired into it. So I'm living a legacy of anger and I have to manage that. You know, I have to make sure that it's not instilled in my children and I can already see it with my children like damn you are a born like you just popped off like that like did i teach you that is it just in your dna so the fruits of the spirit are our legacy and i want to live a legacy in a way that that people look at my fruit and they connect it to the root right and say okay the core of that was right and it wasn't pretty and it was it certainly was you know, a journey, but, but that's where I want it to be like, you know what, my father, my founder, my friend, whatever context the relationship is like that dude lived it, man. Like he lived it, the good, the bad and the ugly. And he was constantly fighting for the good in it and, and looking for that good and unearthing that good. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but, but um, I, I, I
1: aim to live, a legacy. No, it does. It absolutely does and I like what you said about the fruits of the spirit. Because I do think that it has a lasting impact whether it be on your kids and and their impact and so on and so forth. You know, I think our names eventually will turn into dust and you know they they won't matter a few generations away. Uh, but the the fruits of the spirit or you know in current trendy terminology case our values will impact and last. And, and hopefully, you know, whether it be changing that um, characteristic of anger or in my case, changing that characteristic of it in in, in infidelity, you know, that was in my family before. um, Hopefully we change it for the better. Like you said.
0: Yeah. And I think it's in forgiveness that we, and in grace that we, we can because we just can't do it on our own strength, man. Like I'm one of the stronger people I've met, like ironclad, you know, and, and mindset has always been like between cutting weight and the grades and like all of that exhausted. Like I just hit a wall at 25 and was like, oh shit, like I can't do this on my own strength. And that's when my relationship with God got like real and it was real like harsh you know what I mean it wasn't yeah. it was it was like a collision with god like are you for real because we're going to need to duke this thing out and i had a pretty radical experience i'll, I'll tell you about it another time but but um yeah man i mean there's a lot to what we're kind of wrapping up on so maybe maybe we'll pick up in the <laughs> <our> next session <laughs> just drop that yeah. bomb.
1: <laughs> no we're so. going to do a a second episode for sure cuz i'm enjoying this one way too much so definitely need Please. to do a, a second episode and this is just more Evidence that I need to expand into another podcast. We normally did three episodes a week. We're down to two now. I'm making room for another, a different podcast. And cool. it's more around mindset, faith, entrepreneurship, that conversation that we basically had, anyways.
0: <laughs> right, right. I'll just put it on that one. Yeah, yeah the first exactly. That one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Good thank day. you so
1: much, Nathan. um It's been an amazing, inquisitive, philosophical, uh, you know, All the Things podcast, and it was fantastic, brother. Thank you for bringing so much value to the show. Thank you, man. Much love. All right, let's get building. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We sure do appreciate it. As always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Building Great Sales Teams, so you can get daily tips on how to get your sales team built brick by brick. We'll see you there.